Seventh Avenue Pizza, the official pizza of the Soda Pod. The Soda Pod, the official beer and hockey podcast of Seventh Avenue Pizza. And welcome back to another episode of MNCAA. It is about a month into the season. We got so much to cover here with all five teams across our great state of Minnesota. We are still missing one team, the Bemidji State Beavers, but we're going to start with the, shall we say surprising, but the 7-1 St. Cloud State Huskies. And join us to discuss all things Cardinal and Black is Noah Grant from the Huskies Women's House Podcast. Noah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, you mentioned we're missing Bemidji State. Well, Bemidji State certainly didn't miss the Huskies, apparently, on no. Friday night. Because, uh, yeah, what a great hockey game for them. I mean, St. Cloud probably came out a little bit flat, but Bemidji capitalized on the opportunity, kind of similar to what they did a couple of years ago against Wisconsin in the national tournament. This Bemidji team plays a structurally strong defensive game. You can never really count them out. No. Um, and... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but because uh, I often am. But St. Cloud sometimes has ran into some strong defensive games come tournament time that have given them fits. So something to be remedied, hopefully. But they responded well on Saturday. And overall, like you mentioned, seven and one, second in the pairwise, whatever you want to take that with. I don't look too much into it considering the 2 0 Harvard. Uh, what is Harvard's mascot? They're 2 0. What's their mascot? I have no idea. But anyway, they're on top of the pairwise. Don't know, don't care, honestly, here at the yeah. NCAA. But here's what we do care about. Um, let me start a phrase and let me have you finish it. If you're a goaltender. Tend the goal. The Huskies have the goaltender of the month in yeah. Dominic Bassey. Uh, talk about his performance so far uh, this month. And again, you talk about before the season began, Huskies fans, a little uneasy, who was going to take the mantle so far, it's been a split job between him and Don, and uh, Jackson Castor, but Dominic Bassey, as good as I would think any Husky fan would hope. Yeah, um, and you know who's right there behind him, like you mentioned, is Jackson Castor. I mean, you know, even if you throw the game against Bemidji where the Huskies look flat, I mean, he allowed three goals and two of them were power play goals, right? So both the goaltenders have looked very good, and the way they play um, is a very calm, very veteran style, right? And, yes. um, you know, with Dominic Bassey, you didn't really know what you were going to get coming out of Colorado College, right? Because CC struggled a little bit as a program as of recent, mm -hmm. really since the inception of the NCHD, let's be honest. Um, you know, yes. they had a few standout guys. Um, their really only notable guy in the past couple of years on the front end was Grant Cruikshank, who um also having a great year. Um, but yeah. Yeah, you know, with that being said, you didn't really know if you were going to get a goaltender who was going to be consistent every time you got a start, or was he going to be that up and down netminder where we saw flashes of brilliance from him when he was with the Tigers, and we saw games where he really struggled. This year, he's really found a nice, consistent piece. Brett Larson has also found a nice, consistent rotation, going with one on one night, one on the other. Usually, it's Caster Friday, Bassey Saturday. Jackson Caster on Friday night has looked exceptional too. Something Huskies fans didn't know if they were going to get after Quinnipiac last year in the national tournament. So both these netminders have provided a solid rotation. And the nice thing that it gives Brett Larson is he knows that if one starts to struggle, you can throw one in the net for back-to-back -back games, and they're probably going to be all right. Uh, and then the next week, they'll rebound, and they'll be just fine. So it's been a really good start for this team. 
NCHC tournament time is a lot different. Their opponent coming up, kind of a big deal, kind of won a national championship last year. So goaltenders are going to have to be on their A game, but certainly have looked well to be uh, NCHC goaltender of the week. So let's recap Bemidji State, uh, the sixth team here in our coverage area. As you mentioned, uh, a home-and-home series starting up uh, Friday night at the Sanborn Center, and then Saturday night, uh, the second half of that, back at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. And shall we say, yeah, it's game number seven, but dare we say that the reactions around Husky fandom was this was a very uncharacteristically Mm. sloppy game for St. Cloud State. It was, and we talked about it last week. We anticipated that they were probably going to have a clunker at some point within the first 10, maybe 15 games. Uh, more anticipatory for it to happen on Friday. Smaller ice sheet comparative to the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. Um, whatever you want to give credit to that. But, I mean, road game, they came out flat, right? The Huskies have only had two road contests, I believe, this season. No, three road contests this season. So, um, you know, this is where St. Cloud really my concern wasn't Friday night because there are games where you just don't come out and you, you just don't have the best night. It happens. It was uncharacteristic of this team from what we'd seen through the first six games. Um, You know, they were not hard on pucks. They were not winning foot races. They were not hitting passes on the tape. Their breakouts were not clean. Um, You know, they were outshot in the hockey game, I believe. So yeah, uncharacteristic Friday, the enlightening part, Saturday night was a much different story. It was, uh, even though the stat line wasn't eye-popping, it was a much more dominant story in terms of the way St. Cloud controlled that hockey game from start to finish. Um, uh, Yes, the Beavers got on the board first on Saturday, but it was a much different response. And that's the thing that gives me promise for this season. Granted, the Huskies last year in their exhibition schedule started very strong uh, and look Mm -hmm. how that turned out. So we'll have to see as NCHC play goes on, but resiliency and responding was not a strength of this team last year. It was two years ago when they went to a national championship game, good signs early on the rebound. But yes, like you mentioned Friday, uh, definitely one to forget, but Huskies forgot it in very short order. And for the Beavers faithful that are out there that say, wait a second, this, we expected this too, because uh, well, it's a standard NHL sheet up there at the Sanford Center um, and against a defensively structured team for Bemidji going into an Olympic sheet. Let's just say that the dimensions are always in their favor for a team that plays that type of style. Yeah, certainly is. I mean, uh, if they could, they'd like to narrow the rink even more, right? Uh, right. <laughs> certainly right. would certainly would be beneficial to them. But that's always how Bemidji has played. And, uh, you know, you're not going to win a hockey game scoring only one goal. I don't care who you play. If they're the most defensively sound or the most uh, defensively porous team, you got to score more than one. Now, right. Bemidji's style certainly, um, you know, is maybe more of that defensive, not a neutral zone trap, but they like to really kind of force you into one side of the ice and force you to, to chip and chase. You know, every puck is a tightly contested puck, you know, hard physical plays. Uh, and they're a chip and chase team where, team too, where they're just trying to keep everything in front of them. Think AIC from a couple of years ago. We referenced it before. Um, I'm not surprised. This Bemidji team is not a bad hockey team. I think it's easy no. to look at St. Cloud and say, oh, they've had a really great start. They're seven and one. They're in one of the toughest conferences. Bemidji State is not per se. Uh, still a good hockey team. Still a team that certainly could be top 25, top 20 this season, depending on if they play their cards right this year. And like you mentioned, if they can keep you know, teams under that three goal threshold, they're certainly going to give themselves a chance. Um, you know, only losing four to one on Saturday um, and being somewhat dominated in that game too. There's good signs for this Beavers club going forward here that I think is going to look really good uh, for Tom Saratori's club. Uh, 
you know, and what more could you ask for getting a split against uh, really what theoretically would be a top five team in the country as we speak right now? So, yes. So let's switch gears, shall we? Because uh, it doesn't get easy for St. Cloud State. We now begin in CHC conference play. We know how much of a gauntlet this schedule can be. And let's just say you're starting things off uh, against the defending national champions, the Denver Pioneers. Um, And you're going to Magnus Arena down in Denver. Uh, This is a building that historically has not been kind to the Huskies. So Noah, how do you break the cycle? And more so, what's the mentality? What's the approach that the team has to have to go down and try to have success in a place where it just it hasn't gone their way. Well, you look at these two teams, Nick, they're almost identical. Uh, you know, goals for 26 to 25 in favor of St. Cloud entering the matchup. Uh, goals allowed 12 to 15. St. Cloud has allowed the 12. Uh, you know, points per game is pretty much identical. Power play, nine goals versus 10 goals uh, on 39 and 41 chances, respectively. These two teams have looked almost identical coming into this matchup, at least on paper. Um Penalty kill is a little bit worse for Denver, so maybe a special teams chance. Power play has looked really good for St. Cloud, but at the same time, power plays have looked really good for Denver too, and St. Cloud has probably, I think it's three shorthanded goals right now this season, uh, but they've given up a couple of power play markers against last weekend that causes me for concern. So strategy, um, yes. dominate the special teams game in whatever fashion you can. If that means killing penalties successfully and getting a shorty, great. If it means not allowing a power play goal against, great. If it means getting a power play marker, great. But you have to win that special teams battle, especially against what will be probably a team that will make the national tournament this season. Uh, on, on top of that as well, too be ready to play on that friday night on the road uh you know maybe st cloud not necessarily wasn't ready last friday or for whatever reason got to put that behind you have to have a better start on the road have to do what makes you successful the thing with hockey players is when things get difficult a lot of them want to overcomplicate the game they want to be too cute try to make you know these uh complex passes keep it simple pucks off the glass keep pucks north, pucks on net, go back to simplifying the game, and then you can start to work in the cute stuff once you're establishing a forecheck, once you're getting that offensive pressure that St. Cloud has found that has been so successful for them this season. I believe if they get to their game, they're going to be just fine, but you got to get there. You can't start flat in Magnus Arena, and even if you don't start flat, this Denver team, especially against St. Cloud in that building, has found a very uncanny ability to come back uh, late in games at, at that building. So it's going to be a tough test. Really excited for it. Really, we're going to get our first true honest-to-goodness look um, at what St. Cloud can do against what should be maybe a top-10 team in the country by the season's end. So it's our favorite time uh, during your segment here, Noah, where we have to talk about what we expect to happen this weekend. Uh, Does the woes and Magnus continue or can the Huskies find a way to come out and steal one, if not two victories on the road? Yeah, I think Friday night, I think St. Cloud wins Friday night. They finally vindicate the Demons 3-1 to victory on Friday night. Um, I think they kind of get that monkey off their shoulders, a really great start. I imagine they pop a goal or two in the first period and kind of maybe ride that a little bit towards the end um, and have a nice little push there. I do believe Denver is going to come back probably 4-3, to maybe an overtime victory on Saturday. I think a victory on Friday might relax St. Cloud a little bit, and Denver might just open that door just a tad to be able to get back and earn a split on the weekend. Uh, I, I think if you're a sweep in either direction i don't really see it i think both of these teams are about as evenly matched as it gets um goaltending certainly is going to be a huge factor uh like we talked about um you know is denver going to get the goaltending that uh was 
adequate for them to bring them to a national championship last year. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a brick wall in net that you're facing when you're going to Denver, but it's certainly, you know, you're going to have to earn every opportunity of ice to get to those scoring areas. So I, I expect tightly contested games um, unless besides empty netters, I don't think either team gets to five goals in any night uh, this weekend too. So uh, it should be really interesting and I can't wait. We are finally back in full swing for conference play. How exciting is that? Um, and I really hope the Duluth Bulldogs lose, by the way, too. Max Beach, can we start it up right away? We already we, we got it, right? I, I'm not sure they need help right now on the losing <laughs> side of things. Uh, I, would, I would love to see the Tigers sweep <laughs> sweep at Ed Ropes, and that would be on. Oh, goodness. That, that, and would o- be some, that would be something, wouldn't it? Yeah, that and Omaha taking care of business against North Dakota at home. That would be – I don't. I have no idea what to think about this Mavs team, but that's you know neither here nor there. But I know yeah. what I think about North Dakota. We all think it. We all do. And uh, <laughs> you're in enemy territory, so be careful who you uh, – you know, which mountaintop you shot from, right? Uh, so no, are that there, will do it. Are there, uh, are there mountains here? I don't know that there are. Well, by technical definition, no. But <laughs> when you're on top of the hill, yeah, with the lone tree on the prairie, yeah, tomato, tomato, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Noah, thank you very, very much. We need to head over now to our matchup of the week. Yes, one of our last head-to-head matchups between the uh, five schools that we covered. It's Mavericks versus Tommies, and to bring us all the action, it's Alex Micheletti, Marissa Boss as well as Ryan Steak. And now joining us for our second segment, Marissa Voss, Ryan Steeg, or as they call Steger, on the bench, as well as Alex Micheletti. It is our matchup of the week. It is Maz versus Tommy's. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Marissa. Um, You got your microphone fixed this weekend. I did. I actually got like a ring light today and this whole like setup. And I'm like, actually, I think a true podcaster now. Or social media influencer with the ring light, but we'll get back to that. Uh (laughs) Come on. (laughs) I mean, did it come with a step stool? Um, no, but it is the tallest it is right now. I didn't get a tall enough one. So that's gonna, it's, it's fine because I'm short, so it's fine. But like, it's kind of, it's fine. Anyways, <laughs> the TikTok contents are going to be blown through the water. Let me tell you what. We'll uh, be sure to link all the, you know, clean content here on MNCAA. Uh, <laughs> Sneaker, how are you doing here today, sir? I don't have a TikTok account, so I don't know. I'm going to be able to compete with that. But uh, other than that, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> you do uh, quite the hockey breakdowns with TripleDeep.com. And uh, we have to do a little bit of breakdown today because it is, again, two of our teams going head-to-head. Uh, both teams having some pretty good weekends. The Mavs coming off a sweep of Bowling Green. And as we called it, uh, Steger, a split. And again, St. Thomas getting another CCHA conference win. Uh, Ryan, I want to stick with you. Uh, it was a... A tight game on Friday could have eked it out. It went the way uh, of the other team, and then a convincing five to two win for the Tommies on Saturday to complete the uh, the split. Uh, tell me your reactions from the weekend. Well, I, with the loss that happened in overtime, I, I was surprised by that because that's actually what happened the first time played Ferris as a D1 program is they went into overtime and lost in overtime, so that didn't surprise me at all. Um, but the second night, it was impressive from finish, held the lead, was able to maintain it, got a shorthanded goal from Mac Byers. That kind of came out of nowhere. And we're consistent from 
first period the end, and that's what we've been looking for all year from a Tommy's team. They are good in spurts, but now they're starting to put together like a full game, and that's what Rico's been hoping for, and they really did that on Saturday, and uh, hopefully they can build on that um, and keep playing wins that aren't just against Ferris and <laughs> against other teams. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, Alex Micheletti, of course, joining us. Uh, Alex, uh, Bowling Green, a better team this season, but the Mavs uh, still reigning supreme. Uh, what happened this weekend? Yeah, um, yeah we talked about uh, Brendan Furry uh, needing to step up, and uh, he had the game winner on Friday in overtime. Uh, they kind of let a lead slip there, but they uh, you know, held on in overtime. And so that was huge. Uh, he had another goal on Saturday, so two goal. Weekend for him, uh, Jake Livingstone was uh, CCHA Defenseman of the Week. Uh, it seems like he gets that <laughs> every weekend. Um, he was also the CCHA Defenseman of October. So, uh, yeah, he, him and uh, him and Akito Rossi are just stalwarts on the on the back end there. And uh, you know they they split the goalies this weekend. So both Alex Tracy and Keenan Rancier got a win. So uh, they still don't have a set number one yet. So we'll see as the season continues if someone takes it or if they just continue to split, you know, um, there's not a dry to McKay this season. So, you know, things could be a little bit different, um, but uh, you know, hopefully the winning continues. Uh, like we, like we've talked about this team does not lose at home. So, uh, you know, I, I see another good weekend coming up for them, even though it's a home and home. If the CCHA refs were any better, they may have lost at home. But uh, interesting history. This is the seventh um, all-time matchup between these two squads. Uh, Ryan, let's hear this. In the first ever set series, scored none. In the second series, one goal each game. The third series, two goals each game. The math. I'm not a mathematician, but is it three goals going against the Mavs this time each game? Is that what's happening? I. I I think three goals would a lot be, be a lot easier to get this year than it was last year. The Mavericks goaltenders, but when you have a Hobie Baker, you know, winner, <laughs> it's different than having two other um, two other talented goalies. So um, I don't know if I'll straight up pick three goals, but I think the potential could be there. Um, it's just like I, after last weekend, it's just being good on offense from the start to finish. Um, I think it, there's potential there, but it really. Uh, Depends on what Tommy's team shows up. If it's going to be the Tommy's team I'm used to or the Tommy's that they've shown that they can be. And Marissa, for this matchup, again, the Mavs have been dominant for the most part. But uh, shall we say things have been a little bit closer as of recent? Uh, a bit of a scare, shall we say, in the CCHA first round, but still a perfect 6-0 against the Tommy's. Uh, I, I guess, does that continue this weekend? Yeah, I, I think so. We're seeing the same St. Thomas team, although the MSU is a little bit different. Um, I think St. Thomas is still new. They still uh, are trying to get their bearings. I know they're going to be a good team five, six, how many years down the road, but I'm going to see the same thing. I know, like we've talked about goaltending a lot. We've also seen those components, like Alex said, like Brendan Furry, which I'm looking at their website right now, and it says senior captain Brendan Furry enters the St. Thomas series riding a four-game point scoring streak. That, like and, he like went from zero to 100 so it's crazy but yeah I, I i think i think we're gonna do well and it's gonna be fine but and alex i mean again this all the math says that this should be the maverick series but saint thomas if there's anything that they've shown this season is a little bit of scrappiness uh they're not going down 
They used to be, as Steger said last season, probably a two-period team, and then the third the wheels kind of ran off. They still maybe not the most skilled team, but they're at least putting a 60-minute effort on the ice. Uh, so you have to still respect the Tommies, at least in the effort category. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, for them to be successful this weekend, they're going to have to stay out of the box because if they go to the penalty box, it, it could be curtains pretty fast for this St. Thomas team just because of the – you know, the elite talent that the, the Mavericks have, especially if, if when they go on special teams, you got, you know, Livingstone and Hiroshi back there. And then, you know, one guy that's been on absolute fire, Sam Morton, uh, leading the team in goals. Um, he's just been a stalwart uh, on the power play. So, uh, yeah, for them, they have to stay out of the box if they want to keep – they want to – they want this uh, series to be – just dull they don't want to play into Mankato's strengths with which is speed and you know getting up the ice fast so uh, they're gonna just have to play uh uh old uh you know Jock Lemaire wild uh you know trap uh defense uh and, and make it ugly and Ryan you know for the Tommies you know again with the lack of true skill up front still on a building program and uh, just barely past year one in the early stages of year two. Uh, Alex kind of has some points there. He may not win it with the flash and the skill, but if you can maybe throw Mankato off, maybe get under the skin, and again, throw a little bit of maybe some fisticuffs in there, maybe get him off the game and probably maybe steal one. The interesting thing that uh, Alex brought up was uh, the speed that Mankato has. Um, if there's one thing that – Tommy's have shown this year is that they can keep up with teams better than they are. Um, if you look at the Penn State game, uh, Penn State known for their speed and their ability to just fire at will. Um, they did a good job shutting down in the neutral zone, and Penn State was just stagnant if they can't get access to that. So maybe the Tommies have a better chance against Mankato if they can do what they were that was successful against Penn State. Maybe they could work against Mankato. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen, but if they use that strategy that was effective in the past, it might work this weekend. Um, but uh, it's going to be interesting. It uh, I Mankato is scary as they typically are, but I don't think the ultra intimidation factor is there as it was last year where you're going into like the snowy outdoor game and knowing it's not going to be pretty and you're going <laughs> to, it's going to be like an eight <laughs> game. I think, you know, they had that last year, whereas this year they played well against good teams and they've gotten two wins already. And the confidence is there. And Alex also mentioned uh, the penalty box. That is going to be key. Um, the Tommies are <laughs> prone to taking penalties at times, and that can burn you if you're playing a good team like Mankato. But they're also getting better in special teams. Uh, the power play has been a lot more effective. At the start of the year, the power play was just really predictable. Um, you could be like, okay, pass, pass, and then they lost it. Now they got to go back and chase it, and then they bring the puck up, and then they turn it over, and they got to go back and do it again. That was kind of like the typical power play, but now they're more likely to get goals, and they're killing penalties better. It's it's going to be an interesting weekend, and I think it's going to come down to special teams is going to be the ultimate factor. So it's time to go to the sportsbook tables and place your bets. Uh, Marissa, we'll start with you. What is the outcome for this weekend? Who takes the cake? Um, I think it depends on who's in net, uh, both games, obviously this is home and home. So I think Thursday we're up there and then Saturday, I think we're down here. If that's, if that's correct, right Probably. guys, I think so. That's what we did last year. Um, 
you know, and it's again who's in net if Keenan is, if um, Tracy is. But I still think we're going to... Friday, Saturday this week, sorry. It's Friday, Saturday. Okay. Last year was Thursday, Saturday, which threw me off. Like, I was like, why are we playing on a Thursday? We're not on the East Coast, right? What the heck? So. I, it was so <laughs> weird. But anyways, more get back on it because I get, I get off track. Um, I still think we've got guys that are awakening like Brendan Furry, Sam Warren, like Alex said, is the top scorer on the team. Uh, Cade Borcher had three assists last game, um, or I think on the weekend. I mean, you've just got these players that are coming out of the woodworks and really showing strength and stride. I think it's going to be not as close as people think. I'm going to guess that we're going to at least score. It's going to be like a four, one game four okay. one game on Friday. And then maybe a little bit closer because St. Thomas still, they do have two wins. So it's an improvement from last year. Um, but I would say then maybe on Saturday, it's going to go with a three, two or, you know, four, two, something like that. So it's a Maverick sweep. Alex, do yep. you echo that sentiment? Yeah, sweep. Uh, you know, this team, uh, they were really mad when they got swept by St. Cloud. Uh, the, the, that team does not get swept very often. Um, and now they're in conference play, and they own the CCHA. It's, uh, they were picked to, you know, win it again. Uh, um, you know, what Mike Hastings and, and company have done, you know, since they've taken over in that conference has just owned it every year. Um, so I, I don't see anything changing. Um, I see a sweep coming. So, Steger, we have the, the Homer edition over here at the <laughs> Place Your Bets table. Uh, I imagine you're not going to agree with the sentiment? The sweep part? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think that kid is going to sweep. But, um, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I, but I think it's going to be fairly close. I think Friday's game is going to be tight. Um, St. Thomas is really embracing playing at home. They're really trying to turn that into a home advantage. And, uh, you know, all the games that I've been at this year, um, they got the student section there. They brought the band in. They brought in – it's turning into a packed house every men's game at least. So they're trying to create that kind of atmosphere. I think they're going to be ready to play. Aaron Trotter is silent, very quietly under the radar, looking like a very good goalie that he's a freshman, but has a lot of potential. I would say next year, he could really be a star. Um, Ethan Roberts has been out in that, um, but he's probably not going to play this weekend. He's back on the roster and he was dressed this week, but I don't see it happening just because you don't want to throw an injured guy. <laughs> That's coming back from injury against Mankato. Um, but I think, I think it's going to be close prediction Friday. I'll go 4-2 Mankato. Mankato, it's a tight one, the third, and then Mankato gets an empty netter uh, to win it. And then on Saturday, I'll say I'll say 5-3 on Saturday. <laughs> That's what there I'll you go. have it here, folks. The resident experts Ooh. calling for a Mankato sweep from both uh, the Mavericks faithful as well as the Tommy's faithful. So with that being said, we do need to bring in our friend Drew Cole. We need to head just towards the downtown Minneapolis area. Uh, we need to discuss all things Golden Gopher Hockey, another top 10 team in the country. And now from the shadows of Dinkytown, we have our friend Drew Cole to talk all things Minnesota Golden Gopher Hockey. Uh, Drew Cole, uh, for Gophers fans, this was a weekend where, uh, shall we say, trick or treat was really in play. They got the treat on Saturday, uh, but uh, let's just say the Ghosts and Goblins were out Friday. It was not a not a fun game for Gophers fans against Ohio State. 
Well, yeah, not a pretty one there, Nick, on uh, on Friday. And it was uh, just kind of a, a slog all the way through. And it just looked like a really slow, um, a little, a really slow game from the Gophers overall. And you, you just, you look at kind of the way that game progressed, you could just kind of see it, on, I mean, in slow motion, just see, all right, Ohio State kind of making better breakouts and getting into the zone and keeping the Gophers kind of ticky-tack passes and, 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 type of stuff breaking up in the neutral zone and uh it, we're never really able to establish anything and then it just it looked like it, it looked like a different team out there obviously than against North Dakota it just looked like the jump wasn't there um obviously uh, uh Ohio State kind of really ripped it by the Gophers that night and uh stomped stomped to a win but uh yeah not not wasn't a good uh, uh comeback after after what uh what we saw against N- North Dakota so Hopefully they can bring it again this weekend, but uh, it's yeah, that was a pretty, uh, yeah, very odd showing from a team that should be uh, built to not have those type of swings, and especially the energy swings when they have such a such a dynamic group of leaders and uh, and guys who have been here and young guys too. Which you should think that 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 type of energy should really be there every single night, and you know it's uh, uh, they're going to have their off nights too because they are some a little bit of the young guys too, you know, but. It's a. It'll be interesting to see how that progresses and how they how they kind of learn from that moment uh, against not necessarily the most marquee matchup in the world, um, being Ohio State. Even though they are a really good team and obviously they moved up to number nine this week, but um, yeah, just an interesting showing on Friday, but uh, definitely a little bit of redemption there Saturday. And shall we say that some of the pundits out there are really saying, "Hey, is this really the?" symptoms of still that young team we've talked about this in weeks past because on saturday as we're going to discuss this was the goal for hockey that we are expecting with the type of talent we have on this roster it was a much more complete hockey game and so when you look back on friday it, it just begs the question is this team really maturing as they go here or maybe the bigger question is is there a lot more room for them to mature because the college hockey season is a gauntlet um, it can move quite fast. And if you're not, uh, shall we say, emotionally mature, uh, come to those one game and you're in and you're out contests. Uh, this is where the golfers have been stung in years past. Yeah, it, it absolutely. I think it's a mix of both. I think they're they're learning where they are right now um, in terms of that emotional maturity. And I think they're going to have to figure out where they need to go. And I think that's obviously going to be older guys once uh, once it gets once it gets a little bit further down the season, I would say that uh, obviously the games against uh, Mankato and, and North Dakota are kind of those barometer games and just say, okay, this is the kind of energy and this is the kind of team you're going to be facing when you need, when you're facing that adversity. Um, so if they decide, Hey, well, well, we know we're at this place. We need to get to a different place. And um, it, I think that that really depends on, obviously they're going to have to look at each other and say, Ohio state's not, the best team in the country they're I think they're obviously one of the top 10 teams and they're going to need to beat them uh through the rest of conference play and probably sometime in the in the big 10 tournament but the teams that they're going to be playing in the one and done games they're better than Ohio State at least better than Ohio State right now and if if they can't if 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 the kind of game like Friday comes out obviously you don't get a second game you're not right. able to redeem yourself against against that that Ohio State team the next night, and 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 that's going to be. I'm sure they all know that. They're all telling themselves that, and obviously they they're not telling themselves that now. 
they will be at some point uh, when when uh, people start to talk about pairwise without hushed tones anymore. Um, I, I think, yeah, it's just a, it, they're, they're going to have to figure it out. And I think uh, they're 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 sort of I think they know where they need to be, but they don't know exactly where they are yet. If that makes any sense, and I think just they kind of getting that feeling out process as the season goes on and to determine what everyone's real real true role is in terms of what makes this team successful. Um, I think they'll probably figure it out by by the by the Christmas break and obviously be storming through it uh, once they come back uh, with some non-conference games and then uh, through the gauntlet of the conference schedule. So let's talk about how the Gophers can move forward from here, Drew, because if in, if we, the lessons from Ohio State are pretty clear, uh, you have to show up ready for both games. And even more so, you have to almost take what's, what's given. And I think the big thing from Friday also is, again, the Gophers like to move north. That's a Bob Moss school thing. They like to carry the puck in the zone. Ohio State wishes like, uh, no, we're going to make it go dump and chase. And the Gophers just simply just didn't seem to want to commit to that. So if this is a lesson for the rest of the Big Ten and their conference in uh, schedule, I should say, um, the Gophers have to be willing to sort of give up on the flashy skill uh, and be ready to kind of put on, you know, the gloves per se and, you know, do some hard work below the goal line. Is is that not the lesson here? Uh, I definitely think that's part of it, but I think uh, I think the the better option is to say not to completely shelve the 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 fancy kind of uh, I guess pretty uh, finesse type plays. You know, I I don't think that's the that's they're gonna try and get away from that because when they when you have a talent like Logan Cooley and, and Matthew Nyes and I think some of those guys that can make those plays, but also like in Nyes's case, he can be really physical and be. Um, kind of a possession master there, especially on the boards. But I think they're going to say we need to be smarter about when we're taking those chances rather than just going for that chance most of the time, um, especially when – I mean, this weekend is going to be a perfect example. I think Notre Dame's always been one of the most most sound defensive teams in the Big Ten in college hockey. Um, and it, it's going to be – that's going to be a real test, especially early on to say, okay, I, like you said, against Ohio State when – we need when when they need to take the chances that they're given. Make sure you make the smart play um, rather than the the most, I guess, risky play. And I think mm-hmm. there's going to be a time. And and Bob obviously is telling these guys that because you don't want to waste this this extraordinary talent um, that that he has on the team. And I think he's probably got to tell them, say, hey, just one. This isn't Lindenwood. Uh, it's obviously going to have to be a little bit different of. Uh, of an approach when you make, when you want to make those high flying uh, full 200 foot kind of plays by yourself. Um, It's obviously more of a team game at that point. And um, Notre Dame is still one of the best teams in the country. um, And not only defensively, but uh, it's going to be a slug to get through for the Gophers. And if they want to do it, um, the the risky uh, fly by night way, you know, they might get burned a few times and, we saw that, especially on Friday um, against Ohio State, and it could only be worse uh, if that's kind of the case. But just be smarter with the puck, be smarter on your chances. And you know what? If you got to dump the puck in, and you're Logan Cooley, you might just have to dump the puck in. And if that if that that's what makes sense, and that's what make, makes those guys really good, is that they do have that that really good hockey sense, that good hockey IQ, to where they know they can make the play, but just they, they want to make the, the play that obviously showcases what really they can do and to, to say, hey, I can I can put this team on my back. I think that'll help come tournament time um, for those for those really high-flying guys. But I think to understand um, kind of the, the shape of the college game, 
you're going to need to be a bit more cerebral in terms of what chances you do take and one and the ones you don't. So what's our prediction? Again, Notre Dame coming in, they've had a really good defensive structure over the past couple of years. They've also have a little bit more offensive skill this year as well. So they're going to be a bit of a balanced team, though definitely not as skilled as the golfers. Uh, but if you don't take them seriously, I think this Notre Dame team uh, could surprise some people. So how do the golfers uh, come up with two victories this weekend and will they? Yeah, I think if they come out like they did on, on Friday night, it'll be a lot tougher um, than than what they faced. And can, kind of the, the final score there was a little bit closer than the game might have felt on Friday night in the loss. But um, if yeah, if the Gophers don't come out with uh, some serious jump and, some, and and to be able to showcase the speed that they have, they're going to be muscled off of pucks. They're gonna, it's going to be tough to enter the zone. But I think they're going to need to establish that early to, to kind of tire, tire the guys skating backwards the whole time. And um, it's going to be a tough thing to do. Um, if you could see, no one can really see behind me because I don't actually have a wheel. But if I was spinning a wheel with split, sweep against, or sweep for, I'm going to spin it. Not really because it's just going to be a split. And I think that's what it's going to be. I'd, I'd say that every week, and I think that's going to be the case this weekend. Um, I think just the swings of college hockey, some team is going to feel – um, not necessarily feel embarrassed. I think if the Gophers lose Friday night, they might feel a bit embarrassed, but um, depending on obviously how they play, if it's a close game, it's gonna, obviously not going to feel that way. But uh, I think if they if they play like they did on Friday against Ohio State, they're going to come back with something to prove in a much more uh, sound game on Saturday. And I think they have a really good chance of winning that. But on the flip side, I think uh, just that defensive style against Notre Dame is hard to play against so much. And that's why they're a successful team. And that's why they get victories. So um, I, I would say uh, I would say a, a sweep, not a sweep, a split. Jeez, I can't even get, can't even get the word straight when I'm trying. But, uh, <laughs> I'll say a split, and then I'll say uh, it wouldn't be completely shocking um, if Notre Dame is able to get two. There you have it here, folks. The Gophers coming up with a big Big Ten test against Notre Dame. No slouch of a hockey team these last couple of years. And uh, for the Gophers looking to find some consistency in their game. Again, a bit of a back-and-forth weekend last uh, uh, few days ago against Ohio State, looking to try to get the ship pointed in the same direction for both games. So that will do it here, Drew Cove. And we have one final stop. Yes, we do have to talk about the other team in Maroon and Gold, a team that has a little bit, uh, say, struggled uh, a little bit out of the gate. Yes, uh, we're going to get to it. Yep. Our friend Max Veach, who's probably sobbing over some Taco Bell right now, he's going to fill us in on uh, <laughs> some, hopefully, a turnaround here with the UMD and the Bulldogs here in just a few moments. And now joining us on our final stop here on the MNC, MNCAA Road Tour. Gosh, I can't even get the words out. And Max Beach probably can't get enough Taco Bell um, down, That's right. uh, down his proverbial throat. Um, it's uh, been a nice coping mechanism, though, because uh, joining us here, Max Beach again from 10,000takes.com. Uh, uh, Max, this was uh, a little bit of a different conversation last week. It was a bit more sombering. Uh, this weekend, shall we say the typical Minnesota sports fandom attitude, which is, uh, shall we say, uh, minuscule optimism? Uh, I would say that's probably pretty accurate. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a 
rough start for the Bulldogs. We've gone over that a couple couple weeks in a row, unfortunately. So I'm glad to be in you know better spirits here and um, looking forward to keeping that going. I think we talked about a little game pre-show here for a little peek behind the curtain. But there's a, a little bit of optimism that's kind of leaked its way into the brain and the cracks and crevices of UMD fans here. And, you know, when we talk about trying to rise from the dead, per se, just because Halloween was not that far ago, so a little pun mm-hmm. there. But if there's if there's any better coaching staff to take a team that is, for lack of a better phrase, a little dysfunctional, maybe missing some tendons, maybe some ligaments and an organ or two, and to reconstruct it into something that could do some damage, you do have the right people at the top. So if there is... Now, granted, the results still have to be there, Max. Nobody's discounting that. Uh, And maybe a Crunchwrap Supreme. But uh, (laughs) I think at the end of the day, uh, you have the right leadership there to try to continue the path forward and out of the, shall we say, the days of the the crypts that have been in the, hopefully, the Bulldogs review mirror. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody in that's even familiar with college hockey or amateur hockey in general or has paid attention to the last, we'll even say 10 years, has any, you know, doubts about the 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 front of office, we'll say, of, of UMD here and, and mm-hmm. everything that they've done and what they can do. It's been a little bit different in terms of the talent and where they're relying on some of those guys, but it's always been the same type of style and Sandlin is always one of them that figures his guys out and uses them to the best of their abilities. Kind of Belichick-esque, if you will. It's it's not always getting the best guys. It's getting the best out of your guys. So I'm looking forward to what that ends up turning into here. So let's create the pot of optimism because I think UMD fans need and deserve that right now. Uh, So I think the biggest thing we can take away from last weekend is you got a sweep against Cornell. Now, granted, we can say whatever you want to Cornell. Uh, they've been a good hockey team in years past. Now, right. granted, their sample size a little bit small, but that's not why I'm optimistic. My shiny beacon of light is you did this without one of your best young offensive forwards, which was suspended for the entire weekend, Max. Yeah, uh, I just want to touch on that really quickly. So UMD going into last week was ranked 19th, if I remember right, and I do. Yes. And Cornell was another ranked team. UMD swept a ranked team and just double checking here. Yep, they're still they're still at 19. So, you know, it means absolutely <laughs> nothing, whereas other teams will split with a ranked team and they get to move up spots. But, you know, whatever. That's That's beyond me. Uh, to make those calls yes we'll they didn't have the any games next. or any sites of you know indications as to how they would be this year so you know that be what it may uh, i just it's a little bit frustrating to see and i know the polls don't really matter and i know that it's it's all gonna kind of even out of the end and umd swept arizona state who then ended up beating north dakota in the or the um um u.s Hockey Hall of Fame game, and North Dakota has beaten a then-ranked number one Minnesota team. So by the transitive property, if math is kind of doing me any favors here, UMD could beat the number one team in the country. That's all I'm taking away from it, and that's what I'm choosing to believe. So with <laughs> with that, uh, yeah. Is that, your, is that your TED Talk then? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit of you know hand-waving and um, you know some some blind faith going in there and you know, mixing of stats, but it, it is what it is. And I think that's just what this UMD team is, is when they play well, it's it's going to go well and it's going to, you know, be a, a positive result for the fans of the, of the program there. And 
going back to you know your original comment question here about Cornell and and how that weekend ended up going they are a much much bigger team and older team than UMD on paper so it, it yes. seemed like it was going to be um, a potential for the same thing that happened uh, against Mankato in that series where they would just kind of get bullied off the puck and get into some frustrating situations and I didn't see much of that frustration in this series and you know, the frustration boiled over against Wisconsin, and that's where we saw some of these. But I think it really started with them at Mankato series. And so going back to a um, a team that's bigger than you and is, is able to, to to win some of those physical battles that are in the corners there and, and still come away with a win, um, Friday was a little bit close and Saturday was a, a much more convincing win. It feels good for the guys and, and lets them know that, you know, you're never really out of it even if you do feel physically um, outmatched in, in terms of the size of, of people you're going up against. And, you know, there is another takeaway from the Wisconsin series, right? Because shall we say that UMD's game, even before then, wasn't really quite together either. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to have, say, uh, an emotional breakdown, uh, <laughs> better to do it, uh, I guess, in your teenage years. Yes, I'm mm -hmm. poking fun here. Uh, but during the non-conference schedule, um, it seemed like they did get out of there because as you said, uh, Cornell is a big physical team and it can lead to frustrations if you're not getting your game going again. So we didn't see that. It feels like UMB sort of said, okay, we can take a deep breath. Now we need to get back to what made it successful and they got the two wins. So it, shall we say that was the low point? Are we going to call this? Are we going to go Jim Cramer and say that was the bottom of the bear market there, Max? I really, really do hope so. And it's not that I expect them to go undefeated the rest of the season. This is college hockey, even last year in, in a really impressive season for the Bulldogs where they were looking good at the end of the year. They 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 finished pretty close to 500. So it's, it's yes. not a team that's going to win, you know, three quarters or more than that of their games. And I, I don't think that, that anybody's expecting that out of the Bulldogs because they do play a style where you're never going to blow anybody out. You're never going to win like uh, a nine to two game like Michigan, where you've got that massively high powered offense and the ability to score. And, and it's just a, a different style of play. So you get a couple of bad bounces and you're going to lose some games. And that's that it is what it is. And it's not something that anybody that's a fan of Duluth is not accustomed to. So keeping that in mind, getting some more time on ice for these young guys and just figuring out where they fit in and, styles of play that are going to be you know better suited for them now than they might have been uh, you know in, in the years past wherever they ended up playing before that is is going to be huge for them so I, I do think it is probably the the low point of of figuring it out if you will I think it's uh, much better days ahead if we're talking about you know the roller coaster ride that was the lowest dip not that I don't expect it to dip a little bit in the future but it, I don't think it ever gets that low again for for the Bulldogs this year and well, let's be frank, they can't afford to do it again, right, right Max, because if, uh, shall we say, if the, the same thing were to happen again, uh, not sure we're having the same conversation, right? Uh, it's going to be what is next, right? Uh, so good news that that isn't, but it doesn't get easy, right? Now it's conference play. Now the games matter a little bit more, not that the non-conference doesn't mean it, but now you're trying to maybe right the ship with the conference schedule. You're mm -hmm. going to be starting against Colorado College. Now, granted, CC, um, a team that has had not the best success in the conference, uh, but they're a team that is trending in the upside direction. They're a new head coach, Chris Mayon, again, in his second season. Uh, so, again, you, you kind of right the ship. You get your focus right in. You're going against a team that's going to 
well, say force you to be still be focused because if you're not, uh, we're having another um, conversation over two extra value meals at Taco Bell or whatever the hell That's they call right. it. <laughs> yeah, um, Colorado College is is a, a weird team. They, all, they they have been for the last couple of years. They are on an upwards traje- trajectory, if you ask me. Started out the season hot, getting two wins against Alaska Anchorage, and you know they ended up beating a Western Michigan team. So if we're going back to transitive property again. They can beat, you know, pretty good teams. They ended up, you know, whooping Air Force on the Friday game, eight to nothing. Eight nothing, yeah. And Air Force kept up with Notre Dame too. So again, you don't know which version of any of these teams are, are playing against one another here because Colorado College also got swept by St. Lawrence, who, in my opinion, is one of the, you know, worst teams in college hockey. And I don't mean that any as any slight to them. They're just they don't have the experience, size, or you know, pedigree of a lot of the other teams. They don't get as many recruits and. So it is what it is for where they are at. So to lose to a team like that, but to win against some of these other ones is is kind of a, a strange place to be. And it, it is going to come down to that uh, that conference schedule and who, if UMD can win both games here, it's who Colorado College beats moving forward so that those comparative wins seem seem that much better. So right. I, I just feel like it's there's... There shouldn't be that much pressure on the series, but it feels like there is still for the Bulldogs just because they are already at 500. And that's not to say that they're that far behind some of their other competitors. North Dakota, same amount of wins. Do they have two ties instead of two losses? Sure. But I don't think either of those schools has played their best games of the season yet. So no, I, I, I really think um, that they've got a really good shot against CC. Um, they, they, they looked great against Cornell. They went nine for nine on peak penalty kills this, this past weekend here. So to see that kind of rebound versus the previous two series as well, um, that gives a little bit of confidence to those guys and not to say that they can afford to, or should be taking, taking penalties because you never want to do that in hockey in general, but specifically in college hockey, where you get so many more, you know, top end chances. Um, but if you do end up getting a, a bad call or you find yourself in a situation where you're better off taking a penalty or what have you, it's not the end of the world. You don't feel like it's just doom and gloom from the start of that. You're playing with more confidence and and it's just a different mindset that I, I think you can kind of see in how they handled um, Cornell specifically on Saturday after they did it on Friday as well. So looking forward to that carrying on. Uh, and this uh, series really uh, between you and the Tigers have really favored UMD 19, mm-hmm. five and four all time. Again, these teams uh, really only started playing once the NCHC was thrown together back in 2013. Uh, but the last four, um, it's been one, two and one in favor of CC. Now you're going to Ed Robeson Arena again, a beautiful new barn there mm-hmm. on the campus of Colorado College. So Max, what happens? Does UMD continue to go down the right path? Um, or, uh, shall we say darker days are still ahead? Um, so there's two things I got to touch on here. UMD is winless on the road this year. Yes. We're only eight games into the season, but you kind of have to factor that in because some of these younger guys aren't used to these kind of road trips and not to say that they haven't traveled, but it's a little bit different in the college atmosphere. Um, I don't know that it's as daunting as going to like a Denver or, you know, some of these other places where you're, you know, on a plane or a bus or whatever. And it's a much longer trip and have to deal with, you know, as big of elevation, even though it's pretty similar if we're being honest. But um, um, I, I think I think they do have a little bit more in the tank here. The second thing I have to touch on is my predictions going into the year when I call for a sweep have not gone my way. And when I call for a 
split series or a UMD win and a tie, it has um, my my expectations have been exceeded. So, at the risk of my own reputation rather than UMDs, I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna call for the same thing here again on the road. Win on Friday, tie on Saturday. You heard it here, folks. Uh, sports betting extraordinaire Max <laughs> Veach uh, going with the probably the house safe bets here or on the, uh, the MNCAA. But um, I think honestly, Max, I'm going to have to go against you on this one. And here's why I say that: you got, for lack of a better phrase, uh, UMD was embarrassed at home against Wisconsin, and sometimes for a squad that certainly has a lot of components. We talked about this in a preseason show that we did here on this uh, on this podcast that there were a lot of elements to like about this Bulldog squad. And shall we say we, we picked him to be in the top four of the NCHC, right? Uh, let's just say the start has been tripping on a fat tire, per se, right? It hasn't been good. It's fair. Wisconsin was the wake-up call I think this team needed. And I really do feel like the energy and the emotions that were sort of, you know, exuded from that um, not only have kind of gotten them to settle down, but I also think it's gotten them to focus a little bit. I'm calling actually for a bulldog sweep on the road, CC. So that way I'm the one that looks like an idiot uh, this weekend around because, well, I do that every single weekend anyway. So I'm just carrying on my same profile, but that's what I think is going to happen. I do feel like, UMD is going to trend up only from here. I do feel like, again, that that was a turning point in the season. Um, again, going into conference, play, I think the timing was perfect for that to happen. Again, you never want to go through a situation mm-hmm. like this with UMD. Uh, but honestly, I feel like, again, with Scott standing at the helm, um, things are only going to improve from here. And I really feel confident about that. Yeah, I mean, you saw the the difference in in Wyatt Kaiser from the the game where he got ejected and had to sit out yes. the second one to this past weekend where he ended up winning NCHC Defensive Player of the Week. It's a, a massive difference in his game, and and when he's playing his game and he's able to execute, he's one of the best in college hockey right now. Blackhawks draft pick, and you know, I I want him to stick around as much as possible. But if he has many more <laughs> weekends like that, I don't know how how much we're going to be able to convince him with with the the need and guarantee almost guaranteed ice time um at the at the nhl level looming mm-hmm. but that's all to say that if we can get some of those other players whether it be defensive offense or other otherwise living up to their or playing up to their potential it, it's going to be a much more fun team and a much more um structured team moving forward and and <laughs> i think cc is a great spot to to get that started for for more people and you do have kind of a schedule that could help you with that. Uh, you're on the road against CC, then returning home to face Omaha, which has had an up and down start mm-hmm. to their season. You do travel to Kalamazoo then after that, um, which is always a tough place to play in from the loss of Lunatics. And then back mm-hmm. at home, um, we're for against the Tigers again. So you take care of them early in business before um, a much tougher schedule in the second half of the season. So if there was a favorable schedule to right the ship and, and keep it there, I think the schedule there will help you out. So uh, that's just my take. So I agree. Uh, with that being said, Max, uh, we're hoping for better times ahead here for the UMD Bulldogs. I think they are. And that will do it here on this latest episode of MNCAA. Uh, be sure to check us out every single week for all the highlights, updates, as well as analysis for all of your favorite college hockey teams in the state of hockey. For all of our panelists, I'm your host, Max, and we will see you back here next week. <laughs>